came, uh, Micaiah came rolling in this morning while we were practicing, or not before we practiced. And um, Micaiah, 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 yeah, he comes, he comes in to practice. And um, <laughs> yeah, practice is a whole scene with uh, Adam and Summer's little boys and Micaiah. And, Hmm? It's the first Thursday. It's the early Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And I, I just picture, you know, they run and they talk and whatever, and it, it's really like, it doesn't matter. Like, I was thinking that in worship, <clears throat> in heaven, I just can picture, here's the throne in worship and over here are children playing. Like, it just felt so natural. It's what they do. And uh, it doesn't mean they're dialed out. Uh, when they're in that, I don't know, it's a, neat, it's a neat thing. It just ministers to you, just watching them. And, and um, my guy come in, I happened to be out here, I think, and I said hi to him, which he'll, he talks to me. He'll talk to me, especially if Kenny's not around. But if Kenny's not around, then, yeah, I'm, yeah, got, you know that feeling, Cheryl? Yeah. And, um, uh, Smiled at me, you know, he's what, but he has a mission. And Kenny looked, he, when he saw Kenny, Kenny was just sitting there in front of the drum set, he lit up. I mean, it was a picture. I mean, it was just like, ding, you know, and he, and he walks up to him and he had something to show him. So, wow, it was just so, it was so neat. So, so good. Um, I have a great story this morning. I have a great story. I have a great story. I have a great story. I referred to this about the tree, the oak tree that blew down in our front yard, came right up to the house. And it was leaning way off to the southeast, but it fell right directly at our house, so it was kind of odd. How it fell, when it fell, it just made a mess out of the, you know, it didn't even leave a good stump. It didn't pull the ground up either out of it. It just kind of broke off, and it was just, it was a mess. But when, uh, when Jace came then and saw the tree, his eyes lit up like, oh, wow, this is a playground, you know, in, you know, here it is. And he was immediately in, in the branches before the leaves came on and everything. So he's in it, climbing through it and whatever. And so um, however the timing went that, I forget what day happened. It happened. It just laid there just a little bit. And, and then we canceled church on Sunday. And Adam and Summer and Ashley and Ryan came over and helped cut up this big mess, you know. And at the moment, we started cutting it. Jace is crying or breaking his heart. The whole time, I mean, if you've ever, you know that little man in Tenement Square that's standing in front of the tank? That's, that's Jace. He wouldn't, you know, don't, like, don't, and he's crying, and it's bothering me. Like, I'm too connected to his heart. He's, it's breaking his heart that we're cut all day long. He's like ready to throw himself over the things. And there's still our three logs laying in the, in the yard, sitting in the yard that are, you know, firewood length, but, you know, this big around that him and Lincoln were throwing themselves on top of them so that Ryan wouldn't chop them up. 
they, they, they survived. So through the day, Jace cried about us cutting up the tree. I mean, it bothered me. I almost was like, just leave it. I mean, if it wasn't for Phyllis, there probably would still be a big tree laying in my front yard. I would have just trimmed it up enough so he didn't get hurt. And, the, you know, what great fun to run, get on a log and climb on the branches, you know. It's like a whole playground, just boom, bam, you know, there it is. So he, he just can he attaches himself to things, takes ownership of them, like he's really got an issue with it. Well, I'll probably have to deal with that later, but, you know. My stuff. I'm like, no, that's my stuff. No, they're my rocks. They're my this. They're my that. You know, so so uh, at every phase through me cleaning up this mess of a stump, I'm cutting the rest of it off and I'm burning it and trying to do It's just not even a nice, it's just a big mess. And it takes in a huge territory because it was a double oak and half of it had already been cut off. But there were roots going this way, that way, you know, out. And it's just a big mess, you know, covered a lot of territory. I'm chopping, cutting, burning, you know, and when I, while I'm burning in between times, if he can get in there, he gets into all the charcoal and all the burnt things. He has it all over the yard, all over everything. It's just like every time he gets a chance to play in whatever there was, and he's upset at me at the same time. And so this has gone on, and so finally, you know, Phyllis and I are like, well, let's just clean it up, and we're just going to level it, and that'll be the goal. And, trying to cut it with my chainsaw, and if, if you've ever done any of that, or I've done it, but it's miserable, it's just hard, it's messy, you know. And uh, I start, I'm like, oh wow, and it's hard, that roots are harder than the normal wood, they're not the normal wood, they're real dense, and I went, what am I doing? I'm just gonna find somebody that can grind stumps and just grind up this mess, and you know, so I have, find a tree guy, he comes out, he grinds a couple stumps and cleans up this mess and trims some trees and leaves, and, a couple of days later, Jace shows up, and when he sees that the stump is completely gone, it's all over again. He's bawling his eyes out, <laughs> and angry at me, and all the whole nine yards, you know, like, you ruined my life, that thing. So this goes on, but he doesn't quit. He keeps crying, keeps crying, keeps crying. He's just brokenhearted. I find out he goes home that night and cries as he go goes to bed, and he's, you know, before he goes to sleep, he's still crying about the stump that's gone, destroyed. I can't take it, you know. I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, I've, I've got to do something. Is there something I can create that's there? Can I do this? Can I do, you know, build this, build that? I'm just thinking, I'm get out Pinterest. That's, you know, where else to get? It's a great place for ideas, you know. I love Pinterest for getting ideas. If I can just see something, then I'm like, I'm good. Thinking, I'm good. And then I'm thinking hollow logs, and maybe I could get something that's not that heavy and difficult. And, and uh, I get thinking, and somewhere between going to bed and waking up the next morning, I'm like, I've got a big maple that fell down in the woods over here, and I'm going to go walk back there and see if there's something out of that I can use. Cut off, bring up here, put in the, you know, I'm just whatever. I'm, it's too late now. I'm, you know, in that mode. And, and I found a little stump laying in something else, so I grab that and throw it in the back of the gator. But I look over, and about three foot high, there's this stump, and just sitting there being a stump. But it's been there a good while. It's deteriorated, has, it's very weathered, but it's still solid. You know, it's, you know, I don't know what it was, but it's still solid in the core. And uh, it's been there a while. I look at that, I'm like, I can do this. So I 
went back, got my saw or whatever, and I cut the stump off, like, which is challenging, but I got it done. Oh, you know, God is with me. God's my strength. I cut this thing off. I get my little blade on my tractor, and I back up to it, and I take big ratchet straps and strap it onto the back of the blade, pick it up, haul it up here, put it in place, throw my other stump in, whatever, da-da-da. And uh, <laughs> we call, and Jace comes a little while later. It's like, da-da, you know, look, you got a, your stump. And he runs up to it. He kind of like hugs it. He's so thrilled. I mean, only the chipmunks love this, this stump. And um, he, he grabs it, and then he's wanting to do whatever. We put one of the, you know, because earlier, the, other, the night before, we had said, there's some logs over there. We'll bring those. Those aren't stumps. Those are logs. Okay. Mr. Five-year-old know-it-all, you know, almost five. And uh, so... Now he wanted me to bring those so he could get up higher. And so there's a little stump, a log, and the big stump. And he, you know, it only takes him a few moments. He's climbing all over it. And boom, boom. And he's sitting up on top of the new stump like a little chipmunk, just plain digging, you know. And he's like, thank you, Papa. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to get you out of your broken heart. There is nothing the Father won't do. And there's a scripture that says, if we being evil, as evil fathers, happy Father's Day, if we being evil know how to get good gifts for our son, how much more does our Father in heaven give us good gifts, give gifts as a reference to the Holy Spirit, him giving the Holy Spirit. And it is just such an illustration, like those tears move me to create, to build, and God does that. He's just there. He's so willing. And if you look at the history, his history with his people and with the people of the earth, God's had some pretty I'm done moments. Yeah? 30,000 die here, 40,000 die here. And the, I mean, it wasn't a pretty picture. There were some real, you know, the parent going, I've had it. I'm done. And, he, and then he would, he would relent, turn around, and give more chances, give second chances, reach out again to the ultimate end that he gives the son. And it all has to do with our cry. We're in pain. There's, there's a cry that comes up from the earth. There's a cry that came up from his people. And he responded by giving the greatest gift. And a good, good father knows how to give good gifts to their son. And then a good grandpa goes viral, you know, gets, you know, uh, goes off the rails. But that's our father. That's how much he loves. That's why I wanted to tell this story, because you're moved to something and no plans. This was going to be a smoothed out level area, so we didn't have to cut around a stump anymore, you know, that thing? That was the, that was the goal. Like, yeah, Phyllis and I are like, yeah, less stuff, less things to watch over, less things to take care of. And I find myself, wow. 
For what? For a broken heart. And God is aware of your broken heart at any, at any instance and at any time. He's aware of that. He moves mountains to come and find you and make a way where there's no way to fix things, to go find. And also, I'm telling you, I could buy a $1,500 playset, and he would not have appreciated as much as this stump. Uh, it's, give him some stump and a stump and some dirt, you know, like he is in glory. That's, you know, I love this stuff, you know. And he know, it's like God knows exactly what to give you. He knows what he hears every cry of our heart. He watches. This is his, it's his nature. He doesn't have to make himself be this way. We just tap into it and you can pull this out of him even now, even today. When you cry out to him, he will hear that. He will respond to that. If you're one of those pathetic, pathetic people that goes out and rescues a drowned cat in the ditch, brings it in, and it's unhealthy and dying and whatever, and you nurse it back to God, how much more God? It's like, do you want a cat? No, but I have to rescue this cat. Do you want a dog? Not really, but somebody dropped it off. You find yourself out of your heart of love and giving and saving and rescuing something that is hopeless and helpless that you, that you do that how much more he does that with us and I would encourage you again cry out to God even about the little things in your life you'd just be amazed at what he will do Matthew 6 <clears throat> I mean, you know the scriptures. He cares about the birds. Matthew 6. He cares about the lilies of the field. And beginning here in verse 26 of Matthew 6, reading out of the Passion Translation. And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil, and yet not even Solomon. All of his splendor was robed in beauty more than one of these. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need, even though you live with such little faith? So then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. That's every woman on the day of getting ready for a wedding. What, what am I going to wear? You know, that thing, you know, looking at a closet full of clothes. We, we often are like, I don't have anything. It's like, okay. But even that, that cry comes out, he will take care of you. For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your bodies, bodies require? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness God proceeds from him or that proceeds from him, then all these less important things 
will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenging challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. In Numbers 14, I was directed to this. I began to think about Israel. God leads them out of Egypt. There's a review, Sunday school stories. He leads them out of Egypt, delivers them. And it's not long on the trip when they celebrated being set free from being a nation of captives. So that's a little bit bigger than just having debt you can't pay. That's being in bondage. You don't have any control. You don't have a bill of rights. You don't have any rights. They get delivered from that. And the goal in this delivering them out and the end of the journey is what? The promised Land, the land that the Lord promised them. But the promised land has to be obtained. They have to, the promised land only remains the promised land until you go embrace it, move into it. And that entails a journey. And that entails obstacles. And that entails difficulties. But if you keep your eye on the one who delivered you out of an impossible situation, then how much more will he not bring you into the promise, into that place of blessing? And so, Jeannie, excellent example. Like you stand in believing. There are things that we get, we go down the road. We see the potential of a bad report, the potential of something being wrong, and we are down the road. And in my, in my comfort text that I've been, I just keep coming back around to this thing about our mouth and declaration and, and declaring and declaring good things and promises is very good. But the opposite of that, when your heart is overwhelmed with unbelief or something difficult, you start rattling off a scenario, and with your mouth, you're confessing bad things, and they haven't even come yet. Just realize you're doing that in faith. Faith has two sides to it, or two directions to it. It's faith in what's good, or faith in what's bad. We just call that something different. We call that fear. And, if, and fear can be very real, can't it? It can make your heart stop. It can make you take a breath. And, and you can be laying peaceful and you have a thought that comes to you and you can gasp. Why is that? Because fear hits you. The fear, the vision, the picture of something going bad. Something happened to your children. Something happened to your grandchildren. Something happening to something you love. And you're going to be, oh, and nothing's happened. It's just a, whew, just comes through. I'm not thinking those things come from God. I don't know. You do the math. 
but they're real. They hit you. If that doesn't get under control in your life, you can go down a bad road just from fear. And none of those things actually even have to happen. You're just a, you're in bondage to it. So we have to guard over this. It's so important. I felt today to review this thing about Israel being in the wilderness and all of a sudden this great victory of getting out of Egypt and leaving, miraculously, I might add, no lack of miracles that, you know, preceding the event, we're out of here, you know? It's like better than going, leaving for vacation. And you take the whole bam family with you, you know, the goats, the sheep, the horses, everything. Go, we're all going. We're packing up. We've even taken the spoils of Egypt with us. Like, we're loaded down. We're good. And you get out there into the reality of the journey and all the congregation, and starting in verse 14, lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night because there was a disappointment. Things they didn't enter in the promised land because there's giants in the land. So they start, they're like my grandson, bawling their eyes out. They were that upset about it, and then they even tried to go in. They just heard a bad report about it. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in the wilderness. This isn't a person losing their stuff. This is a whole congregation. This is a whole tribe of people that all go down. They're all trashed together. They all go down the same hole into the gutter. Oh, we're going to die. It's like you're not even close to dying. It's just a moment. Buckle up. Get out your sword. We're going to go in and take what's ours, and God is with us. You see, that belief thing, and I believe God demonstrates to you with little things just like this story I told about Jason the stump. He's done that for all of you. Something shows up. You shed tears about it, and here you are, you're like, you've got, it got fulfilled, it got answered. The Lord delivered you, the Lord helped you, the Lord brought something, made it right. And those things come, and you have to latch your faith to that and remember what he has done. And guard over this temptation that is about us all the time. And I can look across the whole group of you. I, all, I, know, all of your, I know all the stories. I know enough stories. There, there's something in all of your lives to complain about. Yeah? There's a hardship. And it's hard. It's hard. You go, oh, you think that's it? Let me tell you my story. You all have one. We could have a whole, you know, we could have a D-testimony Story uh, this is this a service where we see who's got the worst story, huh? Oh, that's nothing. I could I can outdo that. I lost my truck and my dog all on the same day. You know that thing. And 
In Hebrews, the story shows back up, this situation. In Hebrews chapter 4. I'm not going to belabor this because it just comes together all by itself and shows you why it's so important. It's talking about God offers up to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. In verse 1, we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. So there's the promise, and then even your salvation, it has to be entered into. Sometimes we don't teach that. Right, Kevin? Like, salvation's got to be entered into. Like, well, what, 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 what do you mean? You have to walk it out. You have to come and your soul is saved in a process. Your spirit is like you're born again, you believe, but the working out of that salvation, that it gets through you from top to bottom, there's a journey involved. And you have to enter into that land, scares you to death, and, and so that you can, you can obtain the promise. And this is a caution about that. Be careful, you've got the promise of being an overcomer. You have the promise of living in victory. You have the promise of receiving the provision you're crying, you're crying out for. You have the promise of God saving things, of healing you, of all these things. You have the promise. Just don't pass out on the journey. For we have heard, I think I'm on verse 4 now, no, 2. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. They had a good word too. They didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. For we, he has said, I was grieved and with, with them and made a solemn oath. They will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. They will not enter into my rest. You're having a bad day when the Lord's like, you're not going to enter into my rest. Like, you've gone too far. That's, wow. Might not be a popular thing to teach right now, but... If your heart is sincere and you continually cry out to the Lord, even in your weaknesses and struggles, I guarantee you, you're, you're in a good place. You can't get in a better place than that. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how your situation looks. If you keep in that place, we just keep asking the Lord, Lord, help me, deliver me, change me, transform me, help me get to that place. I, I'm not able in myself, but be, be my help, be my strength. You keep that prayer, keep that rolling, keep going after it. You're, you're in good place. You're, that's all the Lord needs from us. Something about Israel shut down, then enter into the rest, and he goes on to say this about it. God works have all been co completed from the foundation of the world. For it says in the scriptures, on the seventh day, he rested from all his works. And again, he stated before, they will never enter into my calming rest, place of rest. Verse uh, 6, for those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into the faith of 
realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we, will, we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise for God still has ordained a day for us to enter into called today for it was long afterwards that God repeated it to, in David's words if only today you would listen to his voice and do not harden your hearts now if the promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land God wouldn't have spoken later to another rest yet to come. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for the believers to experience. Yet as we enter into God's faith rest life, we cease from our own works just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them. So then we must give all to be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short of following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. And we go on in other places, comes back to this subject. It's about unbelief. The real sin and the real problem is not believing. If you're tempted to complain about anything, because it starts with little things that you complain about, realize that you're entering into, you're practicing unbelief because you're not believing God can change the situation. You may have a valid complaint. See, we go, well, I've got a right to complain. Yeah, it may cost you everything. You do, but do you want to exercise that right? Or do you want to stand in a place in troubles because we all have them guaranteed? If it's not the job, it's the wife. If it's not the wife, it's the husband. If it's not the husband, it's the kids. If it's not the kids, it's the church. It's something. It's the government. It's, you know, there's, there are things that are genuine, legitimate. Wah, let's complain about this. And yet when we do that, we moment we enter into that, if we're believers, we're denying the promises and we're, we're entering into something that could cost us dearly, it does. But to come to a place, living a life where you believe that God will deliver you out of everything. That he has a reason for everything. That you can find peace right now, right, right, right today. Even when you go to work tomorrow morning. That's the good news. The first song we sang, Gratitude, we sing it a lot, but it's, the words are so good. It's so good. It's that that's the opposite of this, staying in a place of giving thanks. Even in these tough things, you're allowed to pray for things to come to an end, to change. Lord, deliver me from this. Lord, break this, change this. Change my job. That's, you're fine. Go ahead. Pray that. But pray it in, a, in faith, giving thanks for what you have and where you are, and in the situation you're in. Say, Lord, deliver me from this. Show me, show me what's changed my heart. I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'm upset, I'm kicking against the stones, and I know this, I'm not getting anywhere. The more I kick and fight, the more entangled I get. But there is a life of give, simple answer, really. Give thanks. 
Stay in a grateful place. Stay in a place of faith that if your situation is very oppressionable, like full of oppression, realize God's going to hear your cry. You, he will set you free. And just keep, you keep that position of believing he's going to come. He's going to heal me. He's going to deliver me. He's going to change the situation. He's going to bring my children back. He's going to change the government. He's going to change the world. Like getting a place where you believe, yeah, but there's good news. God's at work. Prove it. I don't have to. I can't prove that. I just believe it. Let's watch and see who's right. You come to a place where you just believe about your life. That's a good word. That's a good encouragement. We're all challenged. You all have an excuse. Everybody, you've got an excuse to not give thanks today for where you are and what you're suffering from. But I'm telling you, every mess is an opportunity for God to be the hero. Every mess is an opportunity for him to deliver you and give you a story. Every, and it strengthens you, and it purges you, and purifies you. We don't like the suffering scriptures concept, <laughs> but that suffering, it works things out in us. I don't, I don't believe in living a life of suffering. That's not the goal. But there are seasons of it in all of our lives, aren't there? There just are. But through that, there's a testing that goes, there's a purifying that goes there, goes on. Our, our motives get, get challenged, and we find out what we're really made of. And you come out on the other side having a story and a testimony, not who did you wrong. Your story is, but God delivered me from it all. How'd you make it through that? God was with me. God was with me. He proved himself. I found him in the midst of that torrential hurricane storm that I was in. Give thanks. Move your heart through. And man, resist complaint. Don't, don't allow it. Don't. You get around someone that complains a lot, either stay away for a little while. Or, I mean, watch. It's very contagious, like... You're worried about getting a cold from somebody? You should really worry about being around a person with a bad attitude and complain. It gets on you, but that's still not a license for you to, to enter into that. Have a good word. Listen for a moment and then speak a good word. I believe God's going to do something. Walk away. It, it's more powerful than you know. Don't argue. You don't have to prove things. I always think I've got to prove things. I, I really don't. There are some things that I believe I can't prove them. But it changes who you are, and it's more powerful than you think. And Israel is an example to us in this setting, in this story. Wow. Just because they, just because they lost it, just because they heard about giants, they fall apart. Like, well, what'd you expect? I expected it to be a Hawaii vacation. That's what I expected. 
we're here, you know, where's the welcoming party? Someone's going to run out and carry my luggage in, you know, that's what I was expecting. Like, no, there's, there's some stuff, there's some obstacles, there's some illegal inhabitants that have to be run out. You need to strengthen yourself in the Lord so you can pursue and persevere and move in to your promises, your, your blessings, your provision. He has it for all of us. Father, today I want to just give you thanks for all of our awesome fathers here. And thank you for the heart and nature that's in them. And help us all just to remember how important it is Help us to remember what is important and what is not. That stuff is never important. That what you're saying and what you're doing, Lord, is important. And I ask that you develop a father's heart in all of our men, even to a greater place, because this is what you have for us, for your people. Father, give us victory over complaint Give us encouraging words. Give us grace to say no to it and to find a way to give thanks in the midst of what we're in. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. As you noticed, I forgot Father's Day, which I believe the Lord wanted to use it this way. But what I want right now is that each, every one of you turn around, look at a man and I'm asking you to put your hands towards them. And Rick, that was an awesome, awesome prayer for the fathers, okay? But what I want is for us at this moment, women, say with, say with me, we thank you, fathers, for who you are. We just praise the Lord for the fathers that we have in this room. We have good men, good men in this room. And Lord, we are blessed beyond comprehension. And so we just thank you, men, for who you are, for what you have done, for how you have stayed with your kids, for how you have been husbands to your wives. You are good men. And we are very, very thankful for each and every one of you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>
seeing and feeling the physical presence of Jesus at the table here. And you have to decide what that represents to you if you believe that all things are possible, especially when you commune with him. Before we take communion, I, I wanted to remind you of the scripture in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely on your own understanding. So the scripture tells us we're to trust with our hearts. You can talk yourself out of the miraculous if you rely on your own understanding. I think you can limit what God can do just by our own limited understanding. So trust in Jesus. I don't understand everything about communion, but believe me, I know he's in it. Or this is just a waste of time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and rely not on your own understanding. In prayer and in worship and in communion, we acknowledge who Jesus is, we remember what he has done and we anticipate, we, we wait for his return. You can't do anything, any of those things without trust. So from what Phyllis said at the beginning to what we just sang in worship, this morning in communion is about trust. And I want to continue, um, I thought about doing this even before Phyllis did this this morning, but before we come up for communion, I'd like us to close our eyes just for a minute. And she talked about shaking those things off. We want to trust in his presence. We want to trust in the miraculous. So let's quiet ourselves and let him come into our presence. Let him surround us. When you're shaking these things off, shake off your own understanding. We trust in the Lord for all things. We trust for the miraculous. So let's be still. Let him come into our presence. We trust in his presence. We talk about taking communion as, as one body, but this morning is just you and him. So let's come up now. Let's commune with Emmanuel.